Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to yet another episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, I am excited that Doug Zanger of uh, Adweek, you are a senior editor? How do you feel? I think, well, I guess technically I'm an editor, but I am senior, like in age, I guess, to <laughs> just about everybody on the staff. Um, so I mean, editor, I'm agency's editor, also work in diversity and inclusion space, and then cross over into a lot of the other verticals, and then a lot, you know, some of the, the more businessy things around Adweek as well. That's awesome. Um, I usually do this very predictable thing, which is to get everyone up to speed with how you got to where you got to. So it's kind of like the accelerated resume. Mm -hmm. um, just sort of take us through um, from the earliest. <laughs> some people, uh, some people tell us uh, when I was seven, I always, you know. Oh yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing. It doesn't have to be that. It could be, you know. Although uh, I do have a story about that. Yeah, I, well, I, tell I, us the story. Okay, so all right, so I'm originally from uh, outside of Minneapolis, went to middle school and high school outside of Philadelphia, which is very confusing on a lot of mm -hmm. on a lot of uh, levels. Uh, but my um, my my unfortunately, my father had passed away when I was really young. But my mother was uh, with somebody who was working. Uh, I want to say he was at Leo Burnett in Chicago. That was earlier in his career, and he had a bunch of um, storyboards, like TV storyboard pads that I started sketching out. Uh, I started sketching ads out on, I think I was probably, my kids are eight and 11. So it was probably like nine, 10, I think is, is when I was doing that. So that was my first foray into it. Uh, and then I went to university and uh, what's that? I said you're a natural. Oh, my drawing's terrible. And that's why I got into copywriting. Um, so, so I went to university of Denver and then I did a stint at um, university college, London on an exchange, UCL. Uh, and then I moved to Portland in 1992. But when I was at University of Denver, I did a short internship at, at what was then DDB Needham in Denver. So I worked on um, entertainment accounts, mainly Disney, working on promotions of, of films and, and the like. And then I moved to Portland um, in 1992 with the intention of working for Wyden Kennedy. Um, uh, you know, that was in my mind. They didn't know that. Um, so armed with an international studies degree, I worked at a Japanese bank, uh, and then basically hounded, uh, Wyden and Kennedy until I got a, uh, an interview, uh, with one of the main account people, but I wanted to be a creative, I wanted to be a creative. And, uh, so I botched that interview to this day. It is still like the, the worst interview I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a much longer story to it, uh, but I'll, you know the short form of it is is that when somebody shakes your hand and says good luck, you you know you've failed. Uh, so get out of here. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I, I hounded these people forever. But brief aside, you know, I, I've been, um, uh, you know, in the past, I've been a supporter of Caldera, which is the is the arts organization that Dan Wyden had founded mm -hmm. um, back in 1990, uh, 95, I want to say, 99. I don't remember exactly when. Um, but, you know, loved that. And I've been connected, obviously, to the agency um, and, and its people over the years. So went from banking, worked for Nike, and then um, uh, this, I was, I was a copywriter. So I was writing radio copy. I started learning production. I started getting, uh, doing voice work. And, um, and I did a commercial for a friend of mine who still runs a winery tour business called Grape Escape out here in Portland. Mm -hmm and sat with the production director for about an hour and a half and he said you've got a good voice if you ever consider being on the radio and so i went went home to my then girlfriend now wife and said what do you think and there was a hiring freeze at the time at nike and and uh, i was trying to move into sports marketing and she said this might be your shot go give it a go so two weeks later i was on the air midnight to 6 a.m at this really horrible horribly ranked radio station it's like 19th out of 23. So bumbled along there. So I waited tables, did my air shift, uh, was a copywriter in radio. And then whatever time I had left, I became a studio rat learning the craft and the trade of, of audio production. So I figured, you know, if I'm going to do this, I might as well throw myself all the way in. Uh, and then in March of 1999, we flipped our station from sleepy adult contemporary to hip hop and R&B. Um, in format flips, it's very challenging. Most people, if not everybody gets fired, it's a, it's a, 
it's a very tough business. Um, everybody got fired, but me, I stuck around and then I, um, I moved around a bit, was in promotions, and then I was, uh, you call it a breakfast chat show producer, but morning show producer for, for the Americans. And then uh, the guy who helped me get hired, unfortunately, uh, a few weeks after our wedding in 2000, uh, passed away from cancer. So, um, so I took over for him, and I had become friendly going back to Wyden with some people there and, and uh, known, known some people in the advertising um, and in advertising out at Nike and really was learning both by osmosis and, and directly of, of, you know, structuring a creative department and what it was like to go through a brief and to build a brief and, and in radio for so long, it had been this really unsophisticated, um, you know, way of doing things. It was get the copy points, knock out 180 words. If you're doing a straight read for 60 seconds, I mean, there was just all these formulas. And so, um, so I'd always thought, you know, there, there has to be ways to, to incorporate the world's best creative minds and the creative practices into what we're doing. And so I didn't necessarily have a creative department per se, but, but built creative philosophies and then just tried to bring people in, whether, you know, whether they were working on the programming side, sometimes you'd bring salespeople in. So essentially trying to create a, a creative practice. And that meant going out to see business owners. That meant actually working with regional clients and sometimes national clients. Um, but building a practice that was more of like an in-house agency. Uh, and so I, I did that back in 2000. Uh, and it was very successful. I think while, while, other, while other radio groups were contracting, we were growing and, and it, was, you know, it was great. Uh, I got recruited to go to Entercom, which is now the second largest broadcaster in the United States. So I was creative director for seven stations, uh, both on the programming end and then worked with a wide range of, of uh, clients. And again, that was that included regional and national. We'd, we'd get national pitches and I'd, I'd jump in and, and help out. Did that for about three years and then uh, decided to go out as a freelancer and worked with uh, Stillwell Partners, the company that produces the Advertising Week B2B events around the world. Uh, so it was seasonal until 2010, where I, I joined in 2010, and I, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was just really, over time, what I noticed was is that uh, I was I was growing this repertoire, and growing my um, you know growing my base of knowledge, but also my my base of um, you know getting to know people and and contacts within the industry. And I think the time that I had spent with Stillwell Partners and Advertising Week. Um, you know, it was really, was incredible. And then when I go back to, there, there's a much longer story about the hip hop station, but one of the mm -hmm. most important things is, is that it really galvanized um, a view about diversity, inclusion, equality, and equity. Mm -hmm. um, we were an incredibly diverse um, staff and it really opened my eyes to the, to the power of that. And this was back 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another topic for another time. But, you know, I was trying to bring some of those things that I learned to it, and, you know, and, and I certainly, Oh, the Stowell Partners guys, you know, a tremendous amount of gratitude because I just never would have had those opportunities to expand my worldview. So I was with them until 2015 and then joined the drum 2016. Uh, the goal there was to was to raise the profile and the presence in, in the United States and was there for about two and a half years and we did extraordinarily well. I'm really proud of what we had accomplished. Uh, but there come there comes time there there sometimes comes a time when you have to make a decision and the ad week opportunity had come up. I'm a huge fan of uh, you know, my boss and editor, David Greiner, and, and it just, it made sense. I mean, it just, it, it really had made sense. Uh, and I've been with Ad Week going on, it'll be two years June. Uh, and what's interesting is I think the mark of a place is, I was about six, six, eight months in and somebody said, how long have you been here? And I said, yeah, like six months. And they said, it feels like you've been here for a few years already. And that actually made me feel really good because it, it, I was able to really get get really sprinting and I, and I can't say enough good things about our editorial team and and especially um, you know especially David Greiner and and also we've built a, a robust business practice and I'd actually worked with Danny Wright our chief brand officer at Adweek for five years um, with Stowell Partners and so we, we got the band back together a little bit on that but no, it's been you know it's it's a wild wild wacky journey and we're sitting at the precipice of a time that's unprecedented in our industry and as an agency's editor, we're trying to figure out what this means too. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of hopefully what we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that is exactly it in a nutshell. I mean, we, you've sort of had the dripping, the dripping tap of change going on for a while. Um, and this, 
this is false change. You know, this is an accelerated, okay. I mean, for a lot of shops, I'm sure it's survival, you know, the, the, they're trying to work out, you know, how to survive. Um, some are working out how to optimize. I mean, some are working out how to work. Right. Um, and I think, I think the, the thing I'm noticing, and I'm sitting from kind of afar because I'm in my own little cocoon, not inside of an agency anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm having conversations and I'm listening to stuff and I'm reading stuff. Um, and not hearing a lot of positivity right now at this moment in time about advertising. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's sort of, it's that unwelcome distraction at, at a time where we really don't need want to be distracted. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I guess the best way to describe me is uh, I, I generally am an optimist, um, but I but I also I think I would paint myself as an optimistic realist mm -hmm. in that um, it, it's it's based on hope, right? Where it's you hope things are going to work out, and that you hope that, um, and not just agencies, but anywhere in this industry that that companies and leadership have done the things that. Um, are are built to be sustainable over time, and the agency community and the agency business has gone through so much change, even just in the last couple of years. And I don't know if you can necessarily point to, um, you know, a pivot point. I think it's been this slow burn and then it starts accelerating in certain areas and then you know it I mean, if you go back you know if you go back into the history of of agencies in general it was you know you were full service or you did something else and then you know now there's tens of specialties in agencies which i think is a plus so you know and i think when i use the term agency you know i have to look at it i have to look at it broadly because i think a lot of times we position that as full service agency mm -hmm. which is fine um but one thing that we noticed, we run this thing called fastest growing agencies, and that's that's actually coming up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see that there were, there was something like 21 categories represented in um, in the people that were on the list and the agencies that were on the list. And you tend to forget that, you know, and and this is what I'm hearing a lot right now is that an agency that's that's working on 50 to 100 million dollars of business and is scaled properly, has the right technology or the right technology partnerships, has the right creative and leadership. Uh, uh, you know, there just has all the pieces really well dialed in that, you know, I think overall they're, they're going to be, they're, they're going to end up doing fine. Um, now it's, it's clearly the short term, it's going to be, it's going to be really rough, but that's what I've been hearing is that if you're, not necessarily small if you're not necessarily big if you're somewhere in the middle you may stand a really strong chance of coming back from a lot of this uh, you know stronger um, you know the other side of this is this is a human business I mean the, the the main product of advertising agencies are human beings and talent and I think we give very short shrift to talent we use it as a you know we just use it as a buzzword and we hear it a lot from leadership where it's like, we believe in talent. It's like, well, you know, please articulate that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think that a place that we have not necessarily uh, focused in enough is operational talent. I'll tell you what, your chief operating officer is working real hard right now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she's working 24 hours a day and, and getting mm -hmm. it done. And, you know, my, my thinking is, is that I think that there are some, I'd like to know more about what COOs are doing. Um, I also have talked to people that have said that it's hard to recruit operational talent into agencies. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's this, this industry was, you know, kind of down and out as it was, but um, the hope is, is that could this potentially be a reset, but mm. we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I go back to your point about, you know, optimism, you know, that what's it, you know, what we, what we have to assume optimistically is 
there is going to be some, well, there's going to be a bounce back. We are going to come back. Just the question is when, when is that going to happen? And that's kind of really the sort of discussion and debate and the, the health aspect of that is married to the economic aspect. You know, basically, you know, the more people that you put in danger, the faster your economy will, will ping back and vice versa. So it's a question of what game we want to play here in the, in the US as far as that is concerned. And I think that is inextricably linked to the health of ad agencies or the future health of ad agencies uh, or any agency really. And, yeah. uh, you know, and and um, so yeah, there's going to be, I mean, I think it's going to be phase, phases. And I think there's a phase right now, which is, you know, brands and advertising need to step up. And I've, I've just noticed today, because I have CNBC permanently tuned in, uh, at Quicken, I've seen people starting to push ads out that recognize the time we're in. And, it, and I wasn't seeing that, you know, they were still running the same old stuff. Like, you guys completely turned, <laughs> turned death. Uh, the more you saw that stuff that was kind of pre-corona, the more you were like, is, is anyone running, <laughs> who's running the ship at these places? And now I think we're starting to see a, the turn. Um, and, you know, then, you know, then when people, when world, when world comes back to normal, people like start going back to work, hopefully, then, uh, you know, the economy goes back to normal and the consumer and the buying process and all the other things happen. And I think, I think there's a, the interesting thing is, you know, what, from a consumer's perspective, from a strategist's perspective, what do we keep from this time, this shared time, everyone from the highest paid CEO to the lowest ranked employee is going through the same thing, which I think is fascinating from a social experiment perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, what do we leave behind? You know, so does that business trip, if you've been using Zoom at an agency to do your client meetings for 16 weeks, does that four hour flight from New York to Chicago or three hour flight, whatever it is, make any sense anymore? I think it does. I think there's going to, I think we're going to be craving that. Um, we are going to be, you know, we are going to, I think we are going to be, it's going to be like letting the prisoners out of the prison or at the end of world war two, you're going to have euphoria, but then you're going to have people with tight pockets, I think as well, who are like, Oh no, that's, that's just good business. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I get that. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's, and to go back, it's, you said when things get back to normal, we don't know what normal is going to be. Right. I mean, we honestly, we honestly don't. We have no idea what normal is going to be. So I think that we'll start seeing a lot more um, fiscal responsibility. I think, you know, I think there's going to still be, um, you know, there's still going to be that. I think that in-person thing is going to be is going to be crucial um, moving forward. But you know, guess what? You you may not be traveling. Uh, business class, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. figuring out, figuring out ways to, to trim it back. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that people will figure out and prioritize what's, what's important and what can be done remotely and what, you know, what can't be done. Um, I think the other thing is that, the, and I think my hope is, is that, and you know, we're, we're just like anybody else in, in the B2B space as it relates to events uh, you know, when can we start getting, getting back into the room together? The good news is, is that we've been making pivots so that, you know, so, so that people can still be educated, which I think is great. Um, you know, part of Adweek's entire MO is, uh, let's create things that help make people better at their jobs. And, yeah. and so we're still pivoting in, in certain areas and I've used that word a lot and that's a very big corporate speaky word, but it's, but it's true. Um, you know, seeing some more webinars, seeing more educational things, seeing more practical, uh, practical things peppered in with, um, peppered in with the, the regular coverage that we do. Um, so we don't, you know, I think going back to it, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, to see how CEOs react to this. I, I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be very, very interesting and going to be very telling. Um, 
you know, I look at people like Paul Pullman and, um, you know, I know he's not CEO there anymore, but, you know, it's like that leadership. Um, I think that leadership is incredibly important. Um, and, you know, my hope too is that, is that brands understand that um, some of the practices that they have right now are, and I need to get my daughter and dog out of the room. Okay, stop it, you two. Come on, come on. Out, out, out. I, w- I know, I was making a very important point. <laughs> I was, yes. Okay, go, go. My, my, do- my daughter really doesn't know what I do for a living, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't at all. Yeah, so. <laughs> Okay, there you go. I'm glad we all caught that. Um, <laughs> right. But I think, you know, going back, going back here, that was my, um, I forget the journalist's name with the kid in the background. That was my moment. Oh, yeah. The BBC, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. yes. Everyone's having those moments now. Yeah. Everyone's having those moments right now. Um, but uh, actually, my daughter, just mark her for a Can Lion Grand Prix someday. Her and her brother are brilliant. I think both of them, they'll, they'll be a creative team. Um, <laughs> um, but I, you know, when I look at some of these brands and actually all of these brands, my hope is, and, and I, and listen, it, this is an age old issue of, of the vendor client relationship. And what troubles me is that we have these extended payment terms and you know, it was 30 days. Now it's 40 days. Now it's 180 days. You know, it's like all of that. Um, my concern with this is that that could have uh, a much more material impact on, um, on the agency business. And I struggle with, I, I struggle with, with this and just the whole positioning, um, the whole positioning of, of the vendor client partnership. You know, we, we hear a lot of brands saying, well, you know, they're great partners of ours. And then when you peel back the onion a little bit, um, you know, it's, it's a vendor relationship. And, and, and listen, you know, I, I, you know, I'm using air quotes here, you know, created an in-house practice when I was in radio and, and brands created have been doing in-housing for years and the consultancies are, you know, it's like you, you can, you can name a million things, but at their very best agencies, number one, and this has been for decades, for decades, since the beginning of agency business, uh, since the beginning of agencies. What is an agency in the business of doing? To solve business problems. That's what they're in the, that's what they're in the business to do. That's what they've always been in the business to do. Now you have varying degrees of success, but an agency at their very best solves a business problem that a brand maybe can't do themselves. Maybe they can do part of the work that helps in that endeavor to push it forward. But I would like to see a renaissance of an an actual acknowledgement that agencies do Herculean things for brands. Yeah, I mean, I I think what's, what's interesting to me is you've sort of, we sort of got to a point at the beginning of this year where there starts to be a conversation again about creativity. And it was being raised, and you had this wonderful book, Lemon, um, written by one of my other guests, Orlando, um, that talked about the rise of left brain thinking and how it was destroying brands. Um, and you had, I had clients coming to me saying, what's happening to creativity? And so this conversation was bubbling up. And at the same time, there was a backlash against the duopoly. Facebook's right. doing, you know what, we had these, these really interesting forces. Um, digital is dominating our lives, both from a business sense in terms of there is nowhere else to go. It's destroying publishing. Um, it's uh, destroying our relationships. It's destroying politics. Uh, let's regulate the hell out of these guys. You know, let's regulate them back to where we can manage them. Uh, And now we have this thing where we are, they're not gonna get regulated. Their indispensability to us has never been more obvious and they are gonna milk that till the cows come home. Um, 
uh, and to their advantage. Um, and, you know, we, I think we're going to lose, maybe this is just a short-term thing, but we're going to lose the momentum on that questioning. I mean, the fact is there's a story, you know, Facebook was fined a very paltry sum of $40 million for fabricating advertising performance data at agencies. Right. Um, all this will be forgotten, you know, and, you know, we will, we will go back to this, um, you know, world a little bit where the thing, I go back to your point on talent, you know, and I think you're right in what you, what you're, what you're saying is, I don't think the industry has done a very good job of explaining the difference between brilliant and average. Advertising communication has all been lumped into this thing to the point where maybe a CEO can sort of believe that this can all be automated and pushed out and that my CFO can see sort of performance numbers and there is no discussion around talent. It is a machine, it is algorithms. It is, you know, these things that are basically about the mechanization, uh, automation, um, ad, ad tech of advertising. Whereas for yourself, who passionately wanted to work in the creative department, Widen Kennedy, understand better than anyone that that's a diametrically opposed world to the world of craft. And it is, it yeah. is, but how do we start balancing that? I yeah. mean, it's, you know, the bottom line is, is people are drawn to beautiful or interesting things. That's just human nature. And, you know, it's a different discussion for another time, but it just, it feels like that a lot of times that gets, that, that is getting completely sucked out. Now, again, there, there are certain things, you know, couponing or banner ads or, you know, it's, those are terrible examples, by the way. Um, but you know what I mean? It's, you know, some of the more rote things that can be handled by an in-house team. Um, you know, I, I just, um, I just feel like we've sucked the soul out of this. <laughs> and, no, you're, and, you're absolutely right. And I think, and I think the other thing is that, Agencies and to, them, to themselves are a little bit of their own worst enemies. Sure. Uh, because of that, you, you know, if, if the um, opportunities to be seen are closing off and the reality is that the 30-second spot, it, you know, there are limited, there are tons of places still to see a 30-second spot, but there sure. are lots of them. And certainly there are more people, consumers or millennials or Gen Zs who want to avoid them at all costs. So back to your pivot point. Yes, we value creativity, we value talent. Why has there not been a move to create things that, that are emotional, that are powerful, that are compelling, but they're not 30 second TV spots. They're short films, they're mini documentaries. I don't know what they are, they're features, they're, they're, they're what, what, what their uh, evolution of the television spot. And I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Sorry to interrupt. That's very American of me. But let's go back to, um, you know, where this can work really well. BMW Films. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going back to that. That was just, that was incredibly groundbreaking, right? Yep. And just the idea of that was so, you know, and, and I, I think it's been, been tried before, but yeah. there was just, there was just something so perfect about it with Clive Owen, perfect product placement, narrative, just enough. You didn't have to invest too much time in it. Um, you know, uh, Droga 5 with uh, Tourism Australia. I want to see that film made. <laughs> with with Danny McBride yeah, and yeah. with uh with with the Hemsworth with Chris Hemsworth <laughs> the Hemsworth there's many Hemsworths um but it's you know it's like these little you know these little things that pop up and then if you look in aggregate for example like at KFC so if you look in aggregate 
that there's always something weird and wacky, whether that's coming out of Wyden in Portland or whether that's coming out of Mother in London. There's mm-hmm. always some weird, wacky thing. Burger King, same thing in aggregate. But there's just, you know, they become they become very ephemeral. And that's fine to some degree. Um, but, you know, you're right. I think people, I think what, what we're talking about is creating things that have a commercial benefit but are but but are enduring yeah i mean i think useful yeah i think if you you know it's it's about selling risk you know because there's a certain you know the problem the problem with the duopoly the problem with automation and the problem with algorithms is they play to the left brain and and the left the left brain is dominant in organizations because organizations are all about running you know keeping the trains running on time if, if they were all, I mean, back in the day, um, you know, Jobs, you know, Jobsian era Silicon Valley, Steve Jobs was a madman. Oh, why? We don't want him in Silicon Valley. He's insane. You know, he wasn't labeled as a good creative force. He was seen as a maverick that was going to destroy the system. Um, and so I think, I think business has a really hard time, you know, just coming up and being willing to um, embrace creative talent that um, that takes risks on their behalf and and you know Wyden yes have done a fantastic job at, at selling risk and, um, and 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 bravery if you want if you if you want if you want to call it that well and this is where diversity inclusion equality and equity comes in this is where the bravery can come from because yeah. part of the education is you know it's been the same for a long time and when people come in it's like this is the way we do things and we haven't really you know i i think it when the industry was at it, at its best it was working in the margins it wasn't necessarily working in the fringe but it, everything feels so mainstream and safe mm-hmm. that there's just there aren't there there are times when you'll see i think we need to work in the margins a little bit more um, and bring in pieces of the fringe to get some of the some of the wackiness in there, um, you know. But even things that are that are deemed, you know, advertising or marketing or communication or whatever, whether it's influencers, whether it's YouTube, you know, you start going. It's like you know, people will th- say, "Oh, that's that's just inventive." It's, so much of it's just super predictable. Um, that level of predictability has has is a problem. So and so this goes down to talent. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a long, you know, this is a a long discussion for people like us, but with a lot of other people, not like us who work in this space more frequently that probably should be had. And it's this age old thing that keeps going and going and going, but agencies and brands that recognize that there is talent all over the place that they can tap to create and I'll use a corporate speaky thing, but to create authentic things that are, you know, that are interesting. And that could be anything. I mean, it could, it could absolutely be anything, but it just, I feel like that there just needs to be a much more pointed effort to bring that talent in. I mean, let's, I just, let's, let's, let's build on that thought. So, you know, so you, so to talk about diversity and inclusion and, and, um, you know, it, it it's on the to-do list, right? It, it's on everyone's to-do list. It's but, been on the to-do list for decades, though. It's like everyone just needs to either just everyone needs to just get on with it. I mean, yeah. you're we'll you're British. You you know you know that term. <laughs> just what get is, on with uh, here's, 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 But what I think you're talking about is something really. You know, when you peel the layers of the onion of what you just kind of said two minutes ago. You're talking about something very fundamentally different. It's not. It's not about hiring a diversity officer. It's about embracing culture and bringing that culture inside the place to be co-creators, creators, and have equal seats at the table and to be contributing. Yeah. It's not about token gesturing. No. It's about real commitment and yes, and making things happen. Yes, that's that's exactly it, and I think that's that's where you know this is a very you know, this is obviously a very challenging time, but yeah. could this be an opportunity when things start settling down a little bit and we establish what the new normal is? Is this the time when 
when bringing that talent in, you know, is this the opportunity? Because unfortunately, and we're starting to see it, uh, we're going to, talent's going to be out there. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of talent out there. Um, I had two, I had in the last, in the last year, I had two very interesting small conversations that are very closely aligned with exactly what we're just talking about. One was me go teaching at the Miami ad school in New York to about 40 creatives and strategists and asking them to raise their hands. If they had heard of Wyden and Kennedy, four people raised their hands. Yeah. And then having a conversation with a multicultural strategist about what young African-American creatives or wannabe creatives where they, where, where their role models are. And you know, they're, they're all online. And they all believe they can be that person and they can build that talent. And it's yeah. not, and it's not about the entity. It's not about Ogilvy and Mather. It's not about um, McCann Erickson or, or the, or the, it's not going working for them. It's about building your own brand. And, 100%. and I think that is so interesting. Um, and how does a, how does an agency or uh, a creative department embrace that? And, it, you know, because, you know, the traditional agency creative department has been, uh, you have to own your right to an ego. Right. But, you know, and, and, here's, and here's the thing, too, is that we're talking about creative department. But, you know, again, operations people, operations leadership. Sure. You know, diversity is bringing people in. Inclusion is, you know, bringing oh, yeah. them along. Yeah. Equity and, you know, equality and equity is getting them to, you know, get, getting talent to the highest levels possible. And we need to see more of that. We need to see more, more of that talent just across the entire enterprise, not just create, I mean, creative, that's really important, totally important. Um, but we just need to see more in these other areas too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, what, one, one of, one of these, uh, one of the thoughts I had, and it, and, I, and it sort of disturbed me a little bit when I keep thinking about it, is it's a little tangential, but it is it is is related to what agencies could be doing. And I have never really got to the bottom of it, which is back in the day, six months ago, eight months ago, when Silicon Valley VCs, private equity were flush with cash, they were throwing money down on new brands. We call them direct to consumer, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. Now, basically, they were nothing more than a cool name, um, some kind of identity, a sort of business plan, and a half kind of baked strategy. And these guys were going and you know raising the seventy five hundred million dollars, whatever. I do not, for the life of me, I mean, I do sort of understand it, but I, I, I just, I kind of fail to fail to compute that. The ingredients for doing this were inside of agencies, strategists, they had creatives, they had ideas thinkers, they had people who really put a balance sheet together, go raise money for an idea, go build a brand. There are less than a handful of examples of anyone who has gone out there and done that. And, mm -hmm. you know, that seems like surprising to me that you, I think, I think we, you know, you read McKinsey, you read Deloitte, you read the consultants are talking about disruption, risk taking, you know, all these things that they're recommending Fortune 100, Fortune 500 do that, that yeah, I, I know I talked about they don't want to take risks, but the, the, the reality is when it comes to business, when it comes to transformation, if your BMW and Tesla is biting your ankles, you better do something. Um, and so I don't know why the agency world is, you know, is, is sort of mute to this. It's almost like, yeah, we know we need to take risks creatively. We know we need to do more interesting advertising, but when it comes to the sort of business model around creativity, it seems to be incapable of taking really interesting risks to, to, to do to take to take them beyond the norm and beyond the paradigm that they already know and uh whether that's building their own in-house brands whether that's going to a unilever that as an ipg client 
and probably spends 300, 400, 500, 600 million dollars in saying, you know, we want to set up a brand development unit. We're going yeah. to stop all those strategies. Yeah, that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I just, I just, I'm like, why, why has no one done it? You know, and uh, I, I just, I think it's going to take, I think it's, it's demonstrating that model. So it's, it's going to have to be, uh, someone's going to have to do it and be successful. And then other people will jump yeah, in. And I've, you know, and I've seen agencies that have created products. Yeah. yeah know, sure. I've, I've, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, the dosest, you know, normally for example. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of makers using air quotes, um, maker stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, I mean, I'm just kind of going through the Rolodex. I think when Anomaly launched, I think they really helped build the Virgin America brand. You know, mm -hmm. that's like the closest thing, maybe. Um, and there's probably something very obvious that we're missing, but I think the talent's there. I think it's just, it's being able to demonstrate it because I think you're having different conversations with, um, you know, with marketers. Yeah. And I think that agencies... It's, you know, it's great to talk to the CMOs, but the CEO should be in the room too. Um, and I think a good, yeah, I, mean, I, I think a, a brand that, you know, an agency that's worked and demonstrated a strong body of work for a long time for a brand, I think that's a very reasonable ask if, you know, as long as the idea is, you know, it's not about incubation, it's about creation and, and you know, building something, you know, building something wildly profitable. Um, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. Now, you know, does that fall to a Unilever or a PNG or, um, you know, a Ford, a GM, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just don't know. Um, but I think that there are people in this business that are clearly smart enough, you know, smart enough to do that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a willingness, I think, for, for a brand to finance the folly. Um, and I think it's a worthwhile investment because I, they, a brand might not be seeing something that an agency might be seeing. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. And I think that's actually a good idea. Now that said, you know, you can't be distracted. I think it has to be to some degree walled off from the day-to-day -day of an agency. Um, and I only know this from my own experience of, of having sure. shiny thing syndrome sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, but I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. And I think that's actually, I think that's actually a smart idea. Um, what are you hearing? I mean, the other force, you know, the other, you know, so I talked about, you know, the, the, the couple of things that were happening prior to the pandemic, which was, you know, the, the sort of rumors, murmurs around a return to creativity and questioning around creativity and then the questioning of the sort of Silicon Valley media giants. And then the thing I missed actually was in-housing. Um, you, you know, a sort of, there was sort of rumblings of dissatisfaction around in-housing that uh, it was actually really expensive. It was supposed to yeah. be saving. It turns out to be really expensive, uh, really hard to hire talent. Uh, and yep. talent. Um, no friction because there's no, it's not an agency client relationship. So uh, there's no one to tell someone that the idea is bad or good. Um, and That's exactly so right. I, I, you know, it'd be, it's kind of interesting to see um, so yeah, I think what we're saying uh, together actually is there needs to be a real, if, you know, when we come out of this, there, there has to be a movement to reassert the power of that independent agency voice as a creative force for companies and brands. Well, if you uh, think about it, agencies are playing defense. They're not playing offense right now. Oh yeah. And they have to play offense. And, you know, what does that mean? That means being able, and I think agencies are able to articulate what they do and are to, able to articulate their value. But what is the, what's the thing that's like preventing it from going to the next, you know, to the next level? What mm -hmm. is that? Um, you know, how do you get, how do you get some swagger back on this? Um, you know, again, it's like, do you want to feel like a valued partner to, a brand or do you want to feel like a vendor and there's nothing wrong. If like, if you want to be a vendor, it's cool. <laughs> you know, great. Um, you know, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but if you endeavor to do bigger things, 
and you really want, you know, you really hunger for that, you know, legit partnership, then how do you get to that step? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the answer is and it's going to be different for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, to, you know, it's back to your point about, um, people love examples, don't they? They, they want to see, you know, I, um, the Burger King, there, there was a, I hate to mention a competitor, um, but, um, Contagious did um, a really good story on the uh, on the Whopper detour. Um, That's okay. You're allowed. You're allowed. There are other people in this universe. Ed. You're, you're you're okay with other people orbiting the universe. But but what was really interesting about that story was the mechanics. You know that went behind the building of this thing. And I'm not talking about sort of super logistics. I'm just talking about in the old world, there was, a, there was a beauty parade and agencies presented their ideas through a process run by consultants and there were winners and losers and the winners won the spoils and made, you know, um, you know became the AOR, um, got a nice retainer, monthly retainer, and the world was, was rosy. This piece, of, this piece of business that FCB got was based on emails that were traded around. Um, uh, a presentation that was six slides deep and um, involved the insight that was predominantly Burger King has half the number of restaurants of McDonald's. And the, from that led to this Whopper detour. Once they agreed that there were 12 months of technological and legal discussions before they could get this thing into the market, which is, it's just a radical different approach and way to the way a lot of the generation within agencies now in terms of leadership grew up with. That's just not the way business is done, you know, hasn't been seen as the way business is done. Um, Right. My editor had done a piece on that too. He had, he had spent some time with the FCB folks. So, yeah. um, so it was, it was interesting. And I think the other thing about this too, is that um, I don't know if contagious covered this, but David Greiner did was, um, was this, I think this was like a two year process. This wasn't like, this wasn't like a quick WhatsApp, you know, group chat. No, exactly. yeah, like yeah. Slides. I mean, this thing had been, yeah, you know, I give Fernando Machado a lot of credit because it's like he'll park some stuff. And I think if you're an agency working with Burger King, and he's the thing, here's the thing with him, it's like great ideas can come from anywhere. And I give him credit because he'll park things, and then you know it's like yeah, let's you know let's think about it. And you know it's not like this forced narrative. You know, could it have worked four years ago? Maybe, um, but you know, now it felt like the right time for whatever reason. And I think that that's the sign of a good, I think that's the sign of a good um, marketer. And I think it's a good, I think it's a good example of a marketer agency relationship. And I think that, you know, there, there are several, I mean, there, there are plenty of those examples out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the one that I think is, is most top of mind with people in the industry. And um I think you can agree is that, you know, 10 years ago we were talking about the rock star creative director and now we're talking about the rock star CMO and Fernando Machado is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that that's uh, you know, that's an interesting dynamic, but you know, when he, when he goes out of his way to praise an agency, I think that's hopefully a signal um, to other marketers and more specifically to CEOs that there's a tremendous amount of value that agency thinking can bring to yeah, the no, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's, you know, he's a fantastic cheerleader for agency sure. activity and I wish there were more of them, you know, it's, uh, yeah, the Anheuser-Busch guys are great. You know, I think yeah. that, um, you know, you start, you start going around the CMO universe and, you know, I think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's, I think we, we hear that, but I just, you know, it's like, I want to see demonstration of it like Fernando. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, and I think the other thing, the other thing about what he's done is they are, they are, most of his things are not slick, crafted commercials. I mean, yes, he does the odd one, but 
on the whole, they're sort of programs. They're sort of PRable releases, they're products. They're things that are not the, let's get an A-list director and make something beautiful um, school. Exactly. And there's a time and a place for that, but no, I know I'm not saying, I'm just, I'm just saying if you, if you're looking to go beyond, you know, beyond the spot and, and find something interesting. Yeah. Well, that's just one component of marketing advertising. I mean, sure. that's, that's just one component of it. And if that's what your function is and you're really great at it, cool. Um, you know, I'd alluded to this fastest growing agencies list. You know, there are some on that list. They have these very deep specialties like, you know, one does video for direct consumer brands. That's a very specialized niche. Yeah. Uh, and if you can, if you can ride that pony to the finish line, cool. Um, and I think there's, you know, I think there's a place for, for all of that for sure. Um, but again, that's, I, you know, that's, sort of, that's sort of interesting. And it seems like an interesting angle for a potential story that, that the story oh God, are you pitching me now? No, don't pitch me now. I'm not in the mood for that. <laughs> no, I'm, just kind of I'm teasing Ed. Ed, I'd levity. It's a little, get a little levity in this, my man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sort of, it is sort of interesting that um, that's what we've seen. We sort of see these, um, I mean, it's obviously this digital universe, the rise, the, the, the ongoing evolution of our digital relationships and the ongoing, ongoing evolution and um, emergence of channels leads to, leads to specialism. And I was talking to a, a guy the other day who said, you know, do you remember when Facebook apps were the, were the thing and no one knew how to meet, make them? Well, that's what I did. And I had a ton of business for 18 months until they went away. Right. <laughs> you know, you've sort of, I wonder if that's sort of like, it's almost like this sort of Darwinian, you know, you've got these, you've got these organisms that, that arrive. I mean, you think of social media and social media agencies um, and how that changed very shortly, the sort of window where, you know, that was a thing and people were talking about buying them and setting them up and who was going to run them. And, and then it sort of people realized, well, it was really expensive to do. There's not manpower involved and clients weren't prepared to pay the big dollars that they were required to fund them. And then a lot of them have sort of ended up as being the foundational pillars of in-house. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, that to me, some trajectory seems kind of interesting. It's how you get this fragmentation and dis right. disappearance but, as quickly. Right, but here's, here's the thing, is that it's, it's okay to be enterprising. So if you catch on to something and you're able to ride it out, cool. Uh, but if you are noticing that it's waning or there's something new over here, I think, it, I think what it comes down to is establishing discipline to have flexibility so the, but the discipline is in what the expectation of the output will be and that's where you start getting into craft that's when you start getting into quality that's when you start getting in, into those pieces and again the the notion that people are drawn to beautiful or interesting things i don't think that's ever going to go away so i think beautiful interesting and useful if you can get all three of them isn't that cool uh, if you can get a couple of them, that's great. If you can even get one of them, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, you know, I, you take, I mean, you could look at, you could look at you could argue like McDonald's with, you know, we are unlimited. It's like, it was a bunch of food porn, but it looked good. You know, it's like, that was beautiful. You know, that, that, that was interesting. Yeah, so the definitions are, the definitions are really important. And I think that's, ap that's absolutely critical. Um, and somehow we have to be, we have to have an openness about appreciating creativity and its different forms. You know, one example is years ago, about five years ago, YouTube invited one of my clients and the client agency team, the agency team working on that client to, to have a discussion, to meet with them and talk about what they were seeing. And the first thing they showed us was here is one of our top performing videos. And it was two girls um, opening shopping bags and sharing with their world, their world, uh, what they bought. It had 24 million views. And people around the room were going, what, what the hell is that? You know, and, and people were sort of scratching their heads and were going, well, 
actually guys for that particular audience that you're talking to that is the equivalent of a Ridley Scott commercial um, so yeah I think that's really interesting and it goes back to that diversity thing as well whereas we have you know what's going on in those niches and what's appreciated by those niches you might not understand and you have to admit it you have to own up and you have to be big enough to say you don't know yeah and we get we get so far up our own butts sometimes that we forget that and that's yeah. i think i'm glad that you brought that up i mean that's that's really interesting i mean there's just you know there was like the the idea excuse me idea of scam ads and then we're sort of in this era of doing work for awards purposes so you know the spirit of flipping the mcdonald's arches to a w is that a good idea yes uh it was done by one franchisee and i think a couple of stores you know it's female-owned um franchise you know franchisee but the narrative is is mcdonald's makes a bold statement um you know, it's like that's we're starting to get into this, the, you know, the era of that, which is, you know, getting the, you know, the quick hit. Um, I begrudgingly liked the IHOP IHOP thing. It took mm -hmm. me a while, but they really only changed it at one store. But it was, you know, it, it managed it managed to work itself out. You know, I think that was better because it was like they're talking about burgers, not about pay equity and equality. You know, it's like that that, you know, that kind of bugged me. Um, you know, I liked you know, I liked, um, uh, oh, what was the, um, oh, the internet thing that, um, net neutrality that, um, that Burger King did mm -hmm. because that was just, you know, that's, that's a, that's a universal, you know, it's a universal issue. And I think where I got like, where I get frustrated with the McDonald's thing about equity is it's just, it's like, it just, it was one like little piece and it needed to be a million more pieces, right? It got like the press hits, but it, it was I'm like, not sure. It was like, Audi, you know, it was like a few years ago, two or three years ago at the Super Bowl, Audi did a spot about women drivers, or we embraced mm -hmm. the driver. And there was no payoff at the end, which should have said, and that's the reason we're hiring 300 female engineers, uh, our goal is, you know what I mean? There was no actionable payoff at the end there you go okay that's believable it's just like okay it's a in the same with the mcdonald's thing unless you're going to announce like a fundamental yeah change in your policy towards women ownership or the way women are paid or something then you have going to be you, you go, you're going to stand at you're, you're going to be attacked i mean you're going to stand if you can't stand up to that thing you're doing in exactly. all dimensions of it and the great thing about what Burger King, a lot of what Burger King has done is it's not really about them per se. It's sort of often about the world. It's just a, you know, um, you know, it's, it's things that are going on in the culture that they kind of point to and they don't, they don't position themselves as being the standout. Um, they're just almost using their, you know, being playful around those topics. So as we, as we come to a close, I know you've got um, home life, to go back to yeah i'm not gonna lie i've been muting myself the whole time to eat my lunch but you know we're, we're friends apologies um words you know just any thoughts of advice for your agency friends mm. right now as you know you know what they're going through yeah know, i mean yeah i mean i think the way that i look at what you know what we do both you know on ad week and an agency spy is um you know, we, we are, we're journalism, right? It's trade journalism, but it's still, it's still journalism. So, you know, we have to, we have to look at the spectrum of stories that are out there and some are really tough and some are really, um, you know, some are really great and there's everywhere in between. And you know, I think, I think we're going to be on one end of the spectrum for, you know, for quite a while. And I'm, you know, I'm worried about what, you know, what's going to happen when we start seeing, um, when we start seeing earnings calls and yeah. we start hearing about, you know, about layoffs and, you know, things like that. And that just, that absolutely breaks my heart. Um, but I think that, you know, we have to be responsible to the industry and its people. Um, and so I think that the, you know, the hope is, is that we can be a place where, again, people can be, can educate themselves. Hopefully we're providing a level of value so that, 
if they are in, in that unfortunate position where they have to be looking that we're providing something that, that helps them put themselves in a, in a really strong position um, that we can be, uh, that we have use. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, being in media, that's, that's an industry that, you know, very much is a revolving door of talent and it doesn't seem like it when something bad happens, but ultimately things end up working out. And I think the slog is going to be, um, you know, the slog may be a little bit longer. Um, but my advice would be too, is that if, if somebody's in that position where unfortunately they, they lose their job, think about starting your own thing. I mean, this, this could be the time, right? Um, 2008, 2009 agencies started up and it was three people and now they're 50 people or a hundred people or 300 people. Um, you, and, you're, and, I, and I would add to that, which is try and come at it with a contemporary angle. Uh -huh. You know, like you're not going to be doing, why do you exist? What are you going to do that's different? Right. And how are you going to do it differently? And I think that's, that's the opportunity that people have just hanging yeah. up a shingle for the sake of hanging up a shingle, I don't think is, is right. Well, and, and I think people now, I think a good exercise to go through is documenting very specifically yeah. what you've worked on, what you, you know, what, what project you work on, what you worked on, the role that you were in or roles, plural, uh, what the, you know, essentially creating these mini case studies for what you brought to successful projects um, because a couple of things can happen there. So let's say that, that an agency lays people off, you, you're part of that, but there's an agency that's hiring and you're able to go over there and say, well, for these four projects, um, cumulatively, uh, we did, you know, we, we ended up, you know, going, going beyond target by 40%, you know, it's like go through the whole like list of stuff, build that, you know, it's, it's one thing to build your experiences the way it looks on LinkedIn but making sure that you have documentation of success is going to be absolutely critical. Um, and if you choose to, to buddy up with a few friends, if you're a copywriter and you decide, you know what, I'm going to get a developer and an art director and then a business person, and we're going to go out a um, couple of things. Number one, be armed with, you know, everybody should be armed with what did you work on that was successful? You know, what else did you work on that was interesting? Maybe it's not successful. Maybe it was a side hustle or, or, or yeah. a project. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing to, to point out is, is put your shingle out, but also go in with confidence. If you understand this business, you have every right to go to mm -hmm. a marketer from the biggest companies in the, to the biggest companies in the world. Just mm -hmm. keep being persistent. But, you know, that's, that's, what I, that's the advice that I would give. That's awesome. One, one thing, one thing, one thing before we go, um, I was thinking about the IPA effect. I don't know if you've seen it, the IPA effectiveness week. It's something that the, the, equivalent the IPA of, in London, Paul Baines fair. Yeah. Paul sweet river Baines fair. I yeah. don't know why I gave him that nickname. He's had yeah. it for years. I love Paul. Um, I've, I've, I have not seen it. So what they do is they put on a week, of events, presentations and stuff that are all about getting outside of the advertising industry to marketers, to CEOs, to C-suite about the power of advertising. So clients come in and tell their stories. That's right. Okay. I remember this now. I forgot what it was called, yeah. but yes. Okay. Yeah. They even have, uh, they even have a Britain's Mark Commode, who's the most wonderful movie critic, talk about the power of emotion in films, um, just really entertaining and interesting and um, uh, compelling stories about the power of culture, the power of advertising. Client, uh, uh, that's where Adidas stood up and said, you know, we own up to making the mistake. We put way too much money in digital. We've neglected our brand. Uh, we've gone short term, we favor short term versus long term. Um, and I just think it, it would be really, cool for you guys to think, I don't know, think about something that as a platform that allows the industry to transcend to business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know it's easier said than 
done. But, um, well, start start with uh, start with the I, I mean start with the IPA. I mean it's you yeah. know fortunate fortunately it's the same language, yeah. so, so there's that. <laughs> um, no, but I think I think the idea of 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 really, you know, back to what we said at the beginning, you know, we, we believe that advertising is powerful. We believe that advertising mm -hmm. has the power to solve business problems and to, and to, and to um, merchandise that story to the, you know, we're very good at merchandising that story to ourselves. Oh, 100%. That's that's what can is all kind of. Oh, no, yeah, that's the whole industry. <laughs> yeah, but we're terrible. Uh, merchandising that story up the food chain to the people yeah. that are writing the big checks. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Well, we could go on for hours. Um, um, I know you have to go, and I promised that with ten minutes ago. But I really appreciate okay. the time. It was a really yeah. great conversation. Uh, My stay, pleasure. Stay healthy out there, and um, yeah, just uh, thanks again. Anytime. Awesome. Have a good evening. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. See ya. Okay. Bye. Bye. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.